Welcome to The Conversation. I am Joel here with my dad. And I'm Rick. Glad you're here today. Dad, you know, you, you've been very open about the fact that you and mom were very incompatible. Still are. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and how marriage the first few years was a constant battle for you guys. Just want going at each other. And um, I, I don't specifically remember you guys in conflict a lot, um, but I, I do remember, you know, mom having some hard times and then sometimes you'd be really frustrated. And I guess that's what was going on behind the scenes. I just wasn't picking up on all of it. Now, I want to talk specifically today about we've seen marriages that it like the people are just completely opposite people and you just watch things kind of implode almost. Yeah. They slowly deteriorate. You watch the husband's gone a lot for work or I mean, for obvious reasons, like infidelity. You see these things yeah. that are evident why they broke up. I want to talk today about those marriages where everything seems to be fine. Everyone seems to be okay. They seem to be getting along. They're happy. 2.3 kids, picket fence, and all of a sudden, one of the spouses just flips. Yeah. And, you know, takes off, runs off, uh, maybe doesn't even, isn't isn't even an infidelity. They're just like, I'm done. I'm I'm out of here. Yeah. And they just explode, and everyone around them, even friends that thought they knew them, were like, what? what in the world yeah. happened? There's no evident reason. Yeah. But one spouse at this point says, I'm done. What causes marriages to, you know, implode is one thing where we see it coming and so yeah. it's slowly caving in on itself. What causes marriage to just explode like a volcano or erupt like a, vol- a dormant volcano out of nowhere? Yeah. I think one of the things, I, you know, I, I haven't seen a lot of them that I was close enough to to then know what the background was it of. But I do know one thing that happens is this is, okay, so two people get married and um, you've got one that's a strong, you know, one's usually more strong than the other. The other was a little more uh, subservient. And that could be the guy. It may be the gal. It can work either way. Subservient. People aren't going to like that word. We can say one's more laid back maybe. Uh, yeah. Yeah. AKA subservient. more. <laughs> More just willing to go along to get along. That would be the way. That's it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Somebody's like very dominant, and the other one's just kind of ah, go along to get That's along. That's agreeableness whatever. in the in the big five personality. That's like a I, positive thing. Very agreeable. Very yeah. agreeable. Uh, so exa- an example with, for Merit, for Emily and me, I'm incredibly disagreeable. Like I'm probably like <laughs> the most disagreeable you can get, and Emily's very agreeable. agreeable. She's yeah. like, eh, this isn't worth the fight. Let's just move along. Yeah, yeah. And and I don't. Yeah, that's not, but here's, here's the situation. I don't think that would apply in, in your situation, but what happens is somebody decides, I'm going to train the other person. You know, I'm going to train you to be a good wife or I'm going to oh, train you to be a good oh, husband, yeah. you know? And they don't, they may be, hopefully they don't say that, but they might say that, you know, they might actually say that, you know, but in their mind, they're thinking, well, this is what it takes for a good marriage and my wife needs to do this or my husband needs to be this. And so eventually the other person just goes, whatever, just for peace, I will be what they want me to be. Right. So they've got something idealized based on the way they grew up. Maybe this is the yeah. way their father treated their mother or their mother treated their father. Yeah. And this is the way, okay, yeah. yeah. So so the, the weaker spouse, and I'm just going to go ahead and use a term, whatever term, whatever is politically correct in your brain, you just fill in the blank. But I'm going to use the term the weaker spouse, whatever. Well, the personality that's more go along to get along. Yeah. Yeah. Except that that's not even it because go along to get along can be kind of positive, you know. It's like I'm just not going to – every mountain's not worth dying on, you know. But I'm kind of talking about the person who's like they're really not comfortable with it, but they just aren't willing to 
put up a fight. And so just for the sake of peace, I'll just go ahead and do this way or I'll go ahead and do it that way. I'll go ahead and be the person he wants me to be. And the problem with that is you are like winding up a rubber band, you know, because you cannot be somebody else for very long without mm-hmm. it eventually snapping. And so the marriage looks great because, you know, he, well, let's pick on the guy. We'll say, so he finally says, well, she's finally being the wife I need her to be. You know, she's doing this or doing that or not doing this or not doing that. She's finally the wife. And, oh, we're all happy. Everything's wonderful. Well, he's happy because he's got his uh, Stepford wife's uh, wife there, you know. Right. Old book. She, she's doing everything that he wants. Yeah, he just wants and filling everything, doing it all right. But she's, like, miserable because this is not who she is. And so, boom, eventually... Something happens. I think a lot of times what happens is the kids leave home mm. because a lot of times kids become a buffer between uh, a husband and wife. And so they kind of put up with each other because they don't really deal with each other very much because they kind of pour everything into the kids. And then all of a sudden when the kids are gone, boom, there's this, oh, wait a minute, you're, it's you and me now. And we have to look at each other and we have to talk to each other. And there's no kids to talk to at the dinner table. There's no kids to run back and forth. And it's just you and me. And all of a sudden, you know, many times she's just like, you know, I've had it. I, 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 I got to be who I really am. I can't keep putting on this facade or this yeah. you know, trying to be somebody else. I, I have heard that a lot. And I'm hearing it even more with people with kids because of the culture we live in. People saying you just can't keep being who you're not. And so yeah. there's this sense of it's more important to be loyal to yourself than to the commitment of the family. I see a lot of that and it's yeah. tragic uh, because I mean, it's going to be a lot of kids without... There yeah. is some, I, I do, I, maybe I'm old school, but I think there's some nobility to staying together for the kids. Yeah. A family unit. Kind of depending on how bad the marriage is. Because let okay. me just give an example. My, my own life, I'm really glad my mom divorced my drunkard, alcoholic, violent father yeah. when I was young. Because, and then she didn't talk badly about him. I, we just didn't reference him. You know, because mm-hmm. then I didn't grow up with all kinds of bitterness and all kinds of anger, and I didn't grow up with all kinds of abuse. So if it's an abusive situation, then maybe it is better to bail and yeah, you know. if, if for everybody involved, yeah, it was best yeah. for you, best for that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. But in, but if it's just a situation where I gotta be me, just gotta be me, you know, that that's just selfishness. Yeah, you know, I gotta I gotta find my own fulfillment in life, and I gotta be who God created me to be, and. Oh, Am I that special? You know, you know, so that if it's a self-serving, gotta love myself, gotta reach my full potential, right? Eh, maybe. Well, and then the idea that you, you, the only way you can reach for your full potential is yeah. by abandoning commitments, dump other relationships. Uh, yeah, I'm not so sure about that. There's yeah. a scripture where it says in, in the Psalms where he says, this, "Who will ascend to my holy hill? Who will dwell in my presence?" And then it gives several uh, qualifications, but one of them is, "He who keeps his vow to his own hurt." Mm. And of course, I I often think of that. Once I give you my word, I'm I'm going to keep my word because even if even if a better deal comes along, or even if it ends up hurting me, because I gave my word. And I think that's what he's saying. If you want to, you got to keep your word. But it also speaks that he who keeps his vow. Well, there's no greater vow you're ever going to make than your wedding vow because that's a vow between you and another individual, and God. It's a threefold sort of a vow. Yeah. So many times you you keep that vow. I think it. I think it is different if there's a, there's an abusive situation or in, in an endangerment situation. Um, you kind of have to walk that one through. But anyway, that's not what we're talking about today because those aren't what explodes. Right. Well, that that would be an implode. Like it's clear there's abuse. It's clear yeah. there's like just, this is this should not be happening from one human being to another. It's just caving in right. on itself, and but, at some point in time, it's okay to pull out. I was gonna say 
and so you're basically saying there's one person who has kind of had some expectations of another person behaving, acting something yeah. that's counter to their natural bent. This is what a good husband does. Right, right. And I'm going to make your life miserable if you aren't a good husband yeah. by my definition. So I've seen that. I've also seen something that, and I want to get your thoughts on this, where you've got one spouse who is, again, probably more of the agreeable type, they go along to get along, and they end up carrying mm-hmm. more weight than they should for mm-hmm. the other person. Um, Emily and I have talked about this. She'll sometimes try and carry emotional weight of mine that, well, actually, it's not even there. She'll like mm-hmm. think I'm mad or angry or depressed, and I'm like, I'm not. I'm, I'm fine. I just don't have a smile on my face. Yeah. And so she carries all this weight around. She's always feeling the, you know, trying to buffer uh, in our family this, yeah. this idea that she feels that I'm not content, and I'm like, I'm fine. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe I need to work on my attitude. But I've seen that a lot where somebody will do that even with, chores or projects, a baby comes along and one spouse is doing all the work to make it easier on the other spouse, and, but it builds and it builds and it builds and the other spouse just kind of keeps letting the other one do yeah. it. And there's no um, consideration for the fact that uh, maybe I should be carrying some of this. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting because quite often, one of the things I've noticed about guys, if you're willing to do something, they're willing to let you do it. Mm-hmm. You know, most of us, we will rise to the challenge. But if somebody else is kind of taking the lead and doing it, we're like, okay, whatever. And so if a wife insists on being the one who does everything, you know, and, and it can be reversed, you know, because sometimes what are typically masculine traits, sometimes the woman has and what are typically feminine traits, sometimes the man has. So we just sort of I stereotype think it's, Yeah, them. it's just personality stuff. Yeah. yeah. But, it, but it is easier. Men do tend to like to take the easier path sometimes. Mm. And so if the wife's willing to carry all these responsibilities and carry all these burdens, well, okay, you know. Um, that's Again, I disagree. That's a personality type. Okay. I think it's 50-50. What do you mean? 50-50? I think it's 50. I think someone. Oh, you mean women and men? Yeah, I think oh. I think it just depends. Are you the person that's more willing to let them? Yeah. Yeah, Because I'm not. So. I'm not an easy path guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I know you, you like try to find the hardest path and see if you can <laughs> pull through it, you know, and, and your yeah. whole life has shown that, you know. But uh, but I've just seen the average kind of Joe, you know, that I've met is sort of yeah whatever you pa- know passive guy yeah. yeah passive guy. But I think what you were saying earlier, where where you've got that when it's a woman who's trying to put the pressure on to get the guy to conform, I think that's why a lot of guys stay at work. Mm-hmm. You know, men need to feel competent. Men mm-hmm. need to feel respected. So if I come home and I'm always getting told how incompetent I am, not told even, but just if my wife is always questioning my decisions. Mm-hmm. Then I'm gonna stay at work where I'm, where I feel, com- or, or wherever it might be, the bar, wherever, wherever I feel respected. You know, yeah. they they know me. You know, and so if you come home and it's like, well, you didn't do this and you didn't do that, and why did we do this? And how come you aren't taking care of that? And why this? Man, he's gonna stay away from that because a guy needs to feel respected, and that's why Scripture says, you know, husbands respect, husbands honor, or I'm sorry, wives honor your husbands. Because a guy needs that respect and honor even more than he needs to be loved. Because that's how he feels loved. Right. You know, a woman wants to feel cherished, but a guy, he just wants to feel respected. Mm. And if, if a wife makes him feel like he's incompetent, she's not trying to do that. She's just kind of basically doing what she would do with a woman friend, you know. They chat things over and, well, why are you doing this and why are yeah. you doing that? But a guy feels, why do you question everything I do? You I've know? had that with Emily before. She's trying to talk it through and I feel like she's... 
pushing back. And I'm like, why do you got to push back on everything? She's like, I'm not yeah. pushing back. I'm just trying to talk it through in my head. I'm like, I feel like every time I come up with an idea, you resist me. Yeah. So. Well, I see most women and most guys, I don't, I don't know about most. Okay. That's a majority, but speaking for myself, we were never that in touch with our own inner feelings to say you're pushing back. <clears throat> I would tend to react to that, mm. you know, and just not say anything, but feel challenged and not realizing, as you said, now she's intuitive and Emily's intuitive enough to know that, no, 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 I'm just processing this out loud. Just well, listen to well me. that was, uh, that was after a lot of yelling, we concluded she was just processing it out loud. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, I'm just processing it out. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, well, that changes everything. Why didn't you say that? 20 I thought minutes you were just, ago. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So to go back to it, I, it seems like at the core of all of this, whether it's the person trying to get the other person to change or it's one person carrying the weight of everything, mm -hmm. and there's the word, the big R word, which would be resentment. Yeah. It's unresolved. It's absorbing something for too long without addressing it and it building up. And there's a, there's a fine line, like we're, we're called to forgive, but right. you, you also can't get around the idea that if someone is continually, you feel like taking advantage of you, resentment's going to build. And every good, even if you're a good Christian, like even if you're the best Christian, uh, uh, you've got to, at some point, at some point you address it. I mean, think about it. Jordan Peterson talks about that. He says, if you feel like you're being yeah. tyrannized, you either decide, is this something that's just part of life and I have to deal with it? Or am I being, but if, or if you are being tyrannized, it's your responsibility to say something about it. Yeah. And I've found oftentimes the, the reason we get shocked by the marriages that fall apart is because you never see the people argue. And in fact, people, somebody told me the other, asked me the other day, what's your best marriage advice? And I was like, don't be afraid to fight. Fair. Because I just think I've seen people that they just don't fight. And we've never had a fight before. I'm like, then somebody isn't saying what needs to be said. If, some, if there's no fighting in your marriage, somebody isn't saying what needs to be said. Or you're either just both such vanilla personalities that there's nobody has any. I guess that's possible. Yeah. I, mean, I think I know, I'm thinking of one couple who said, oh, yeah, we never fight. And I'm thinking, because yeah, you guys like are zero personality, both of you are, you know. <laughs> and so there's nothing to fight over. So those of you who are listening, yes. if, if you don't have any fights, it's a... Uh, you just must be boring people. Yeah, you're probably the friend I'm talking about. <laughs> no, I'm talking about somebody else. It's not you. I mean, if there's any fire in you whatsoever, though, and you've yeah. got any desires, and but you see other people that fight all the time, right? But yeah. you have to fight fair. But yeah. I, I just found that it's, it's the ones that don't fight at all that seem to blow up. It's it's. So what is fair fighting? Well, that's a whole other podcast. Yeah, okay, good. Come uh, back for part yeah, there's, two. Yeah, there's things you should never say, like you should never yeah. never use the divorce to threaten or anything right. like that. And never say never. Never say always. Mm -hmm. <laughs> always avoid the word always and never you say never. You always, you never. As soon as you say those words, well, yeah. that's actually to me a sign that resentment has built. Yeah. If yeah. you say always and never, those are signs that there's resentment somewhere in yeah. there, which again, resentment ultimately leads. Uh, Gottman, John Gottman, he's this famous... Um, psychologist, marriage psychologist, and he says he can predict as soon as he, there's this one muscle in your face or something to that effect, that as soon as he sees that, it's a sign that um, contempt has built. And he says when contempt is there, it's because resentment has built to the point that you actually despise the person you're married yeah. to. And you've only got about six months. He can predict like to the month how much is left in your marriage based on these facial, facial micro facial movements when contempt is there. But he says contempt comes from unresolved resentment that is just built and built because either one, 
you've been being forced to be something that you haven't been, that you're not. Yeah. Um, you, your husband is like, you know, forcing you to be this clean, neat freak that you're just not. That's, yeah, he's, that's a good example. Yeah, I mean, I, I had to learn that with Emily. That yeah. She just doesn't see certain things. Yeah. To her, clean is different than what clean but, is to but me. But you could have kept pushing that and pushing that, and eventually she might have buckled and said, okay, I'll do this. And you know what? This. She'll usually go along to get along. But uh, fortunately, she's got a dad who's taught her to be her own woman. <laughs> he's taught her to, to be pretty strong. So, But it was a few years in because she, she wanted, you know, it's probably three or four years in yeah. that all of a sudden she started going, uh-uh. And I'm like, yeah. hey, whoa, whoa, where'd my Emily go? It's yeah. like, well, uh-huh. Emily really showed up. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> Can I get the old one yeah, back? Right, right. Yeah, so you're not, you're not the woman I married. You used to do everything I wanted. Yeah. Uh, but, but she started pushing back. And, but, but I feel like we've grown even closer now because I've learned that's an unrealistic expectation I have of Emily. Yeah. And that's the give and take of it. I, like, I can't expect her because of her personality to be that way. And there's certain things she wants me to do that I'm just... Uh, her thing with me is she wants me to respond with these overly exuberant things like of, you know, oh, yeah. dwell, I, you know, I, I cleaned the grout in the, I'm like, and she wants like a, whoa, incredible. What a massive, that's an unbelievable, you know? Uh-huh. And I'm just like, Hey, that looks really good. And she gets, that's just not acceptable not to enough. her because she's an exuberant personality. Yeah, exactly. uh-huh. So again, I think it always comes back to that resentment key, which yeah. if it's not resolved, if it's not addressed, uh, it that's when things explode. And, and I think it can easily get to resentment because as Christians, we know we're supposed to forgive. And and maybe a way to tell, tell the difference here is if, if after you've forgiven, if your opinion of the situation of the person has changed, then maybe the forgiveness, maybe resentment's starting to build. Right. And, okay, you have forgiven. Okay, I forgive. I keep forgiving. It's a forgiving. It's a decision you make, and you make it again and again and again. It's not a one-time thing. But I think a signal that mm-hmm. your the resentment's beginning to build. If you're starting to sense, okay, I have forgiven, but I'm really just there's a sense inside you that it's not what it used to be. Yeah, does that make sense? What else would be a good sign? What do you I, think would one be a good of the sign signs, of resentment starting to build? One of the signs I've seen is where you're just a little bit more content to have them not with you than with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, the spouse is gone all the time and you've got your system and then they start coming back and every time they come back, you're like, just, I wish you'd just stay gone. It turns into chaos when you get home. Yeah. Um, then there needs to be a conversation probably, a conversation about what is it that's that he's bringing to the table that's, you know, you know, messing things up or, uh, yeah. I just see that a lot with men that are gone for work and stuff. But yeah, definitely that idea of, um, I don't want to be quite as close to you as I used to want to be because I just don't find you, you know, you know, you're not going to always be on fire in your marriage, you know, madly in love. But there's the idea of when, as soon as you start to wish maybe that they were gone more than they were home, something probably needs to be addressed. Yeah. Before it gets down. And and it might take a, what would you say, umpire in between to help you both sort it out. Cause Mm. I mean, like I said, you, you and Emily are, I'm pretty insightful to into yourselves. Your mom and I aren't. I mean, we like live at the shallow level. You know? <laughs> my, my, my shallow parents. Well, it worked out. So, so maybe it would take somebody to kind of help you think it through and figure out what, what is going on. Which is where I don't think marriage counseling is a sign of weakness. You no. know, my, my friend Richard, he says it this way. He says, 
you know, if you came late to a meeting and people were like, where are you at? I was with my golf coach. Pe- coach. People would be like, oh, sweet. You've got a golf coach? Uh-huh. Like, that's awesome, man. Like, you want to improve your game. But if you go and you're like, well, I was with my marriage coach, they're like, oh, whoa, what's going on, buddy? He's like, no. Yeah. I want to make sure that I'm staying on my game, staying sharp in my marriage. And there's just nothing like regularly going to talk things you know, talk things out that come up that maybe you just have been avoiding. That's a good but point. you've got a mediator who's yeah. that coach that can help you say, okay, that's something that needs to be addressed. Who can see something from the outside that you can't see because you're right in the middle of it. Yeah, and just because your car needs maintenance doesn't mean there's anything wrong with it. Just because your marriage needs maintenance doesn't mean there's anything wrong with it. Everything needs maintenance or it falls apart. Yeah, and the cars that explode are the ones that haven't had any maintenance. Yeah, too. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you want more information from Joelle or Rick, you can visit joellemalm.com or rickmalm.com. Please consider leaving a review of the podcast. 